Pastor Fred Franks, he served in ministry for over 40 years. Served 10 years as a youth pastor in Illinois and Florida, in addition to district youth director in Illinois. For over 30 years, Fred has, uh, Pastor Fred has served as lead pastors in churches in Illinois, California, and Alabama. And I, I'll just add, done an incredible job everywhere he's been. He's also served as vice president of Saul's Consulting Services in Atlanta, Georgia, a leadership and stewardship firm. Pastor Fred currently serves as the preaching and vision pastor of the Island Church, Suffering for Jesus at the Island Church, a position that he assumed in 2011. The Island Church has experienced an upward trend in attendance, giving, and specifically world missions giving. Pastor Fred has served on numerous ministry and district boards, including the board of directors and chairman of the board of Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Pastor Fred has a great passion for life and ministry, Although he didn't feel a call to full-time missions, he has always felt the call to be a missions pastor, leading teams and preaching in countries around the world, including China, Cuba, Nepal, and in the Amazon, only to name a few. Pastor Fred currently serves as character coach for the Gulf Shores High School football team. He has spoken to over 30 athletic teams in South Alabama. He is a family man, has been married to his college sweetheart, Liz, for 40 years. They feel privileged to serve in ministry with their family. Pastor Fred is the proud father of two and grandfather of four grandchildren and a fifth on the way. Would you make my friend, your friend, welcome Pastor Fred Franks today. (laughs) Man, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mike. What a... Joy it is to be here. This has already been an incredible, incredible service. Uh, to tell you the truth, when Pastor Mike asked me to come, I, 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 I told him, I said, I, I, I don't know why you're asking. Did somebody cancel? Uh, you know, I think you need a guest speaker about like a submarine needs a screen door. I think your pastor's got, got a lot of fire in him for these last few weeks here and, uh, and been in the whole realignment. I'm excited for you. Uh, I, I love your pastor. Um, pastor and, and, and Dawn are precious people. We've got to know each other through some missions uh, fundraising outings, and uh, your pastor is passionate about about the Lord, passionate about his family, yeah. talks about his kids, his grandkids. He's so proud of y'all, proud of, of Chad and what he's doing, uh, grandkids, um, loves, passionate. This this uh, incredible celebration of what's happened in missions over these 20 years, this facility, is this not amazing? You are incredibly blessed with amazing leadership for these past 20 years. And um, I will tell you this, your pastor, uh, we play golf together. He is one of the most intense, competitive people I've ever met. He not only knows what he, his score is, he knows what my score is. I didn't know there was anyone as competitive as I am, but I think I found him. 
You know, I'm competitive. I, every day, everything I do, I drive down the road when I'm driving down the freeway. I'm racing cars. They don't know I'm racing them, but I'm racing them. That's, that's your pastor right there. So just, uh, I'm sure you know that, know that already. And uh, Pastor Sean and Pastor Chris, uh, excited for this next season of your life. And uh, it's going to be amazing. Touch of God is on you for such a time as this. What an incredible worship. Pastor Krista, um, Pastor Clay, Pastor Amanda, you're, just, you're precious. She's my host today. And then she do an incredible job leading us in prayer and communion. Yeah. Um, this morning, I, I, I want us to look at a very familiar story. And you, initially, I think you might ask, what does this have to do with missions? Um, it's the story of Moses and the burning bush. It's in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. We talk about this idea when God shows up. When God shows up, things happen. Now, it doesn't always happen like we expect it to happen. Uh, I love it when God shows up big and, and, it, and it's, man, you feel it and sense it. But he doesn't always show up that way. So many times it's in the still small voice. But no matter, no matter what happens, things change when God shows up. Listen to these words. It's Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, he looked and behold, the bush was burning and yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals for the feet. For, take off the sandals off your feet for the place on which you stand is holy ground. Can you say amen to God's word? Now, let me ask you a question. If you could do anything or be anything in life, what would you do or be? You know, my mind just races on what, what, I'd, what I'd like to do, what I'd like to, like to be. Uh, you know, I, I still think there's a chance I can get on the PGA Tour. <laughs> I, I still think maybe I could quarterback the Chicago Bears because they need a quarterback real bad. Uh, I, I still think I'm going to pastor thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. I, I still like to drive the number three car, NASCAR. There, there's, there's just so my mind. My dad... Um, did I do that? I need to pull that off. 
My dad has passed away now, but he, he was my hero in life, as well as Pastor Kurt Bazink, who's here on the front row. Uh, I've known this man as really, I think, about as long as I remember anything. We grew up together in a lot of ways. He mentored me and gave me incredible opportunities. But I asked my dad before he passed away, I said, Dad, do you still dream? He said, oh, son, quote, I'm crazy, I'm crazy wild with it. I'm crazy wild with it. He believed that the day he stopped dreaming would, would, would be the day he'd die. He, he went to the grave with dreams and dreams in his heart. Well, let me make it a little more narrow this morning. What would you do and what would you be for God if you could do or be anything for him? And let me follow that question up. Then why aren't you doing it? Could you have a better marriage? Then, then why, why don't you have a better marriage? If you could do or be something for God, then why aren't you doing it? You know what happens? We're all filled with excuses as to why I can't do it. What? Well, I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have, I, I'm not able to speak or talk or sing or I, I, I can't, I can't do it. Pastor mentioned uh, I, um, <clears throat> the character coach on the football team. I had the opportunity to lead the coach to the Lord. He uh, had coached uh, Raging Cajuns in Lafayette, Louisiana and, and uh, ended up having a place in Orange Beach and, and after COVID uh, ended up becoming a high school coach and have the time of my life. One of the things I, I start every year and about every sports team is I talk about taking responsibility for your life. Everybody's filled with excuses and everybody accuses everybody else. Got an excuse and it's somebody else's fault. Here's what I tell them. Accusers and excusers are losers. But I'm asking you to be a chooser. And choose to make the right decision. Choose to say, I can. By God's grace, with God, all things are possible. So Moses, talk about a man with excuses. You know, he was born in a lap of luxury. Um, the whole thing started. Children of Israel in bondage in Egypt. You know, it started back with Joseph. Joseph sold by his brothers, ends up in Egypt, goes to the top, brings his family there. There's just probably 70, 80 of them at that time. Now, all these years later, there's two and a half, three million people, and they're multiplying, and Pharaoh's, Pharaoh says they're going to take over, so they started killing all the baby boys. Moses' mom, Jochebed, made a little boat and put him in the Nile River, same river that, that Pharaoh was throwing babies to drown and be by the crocodiles. And Pharaoh's daughter comes and hears the baby cry and says, give me that baby, I'm going to take it. And Moses' sister, Miriam, she jumps out and said, do you want me to find a nurse? Is there somebody that can nurse that child? I got someone. And so Moses was raised by his mom, by his mom, Jochebed, in the, in the palace. And as Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's son, Pharaoh's daughter's son, 
He ate the best food, wore the finest clothes, had the best education. He was there about 40 years and he looked down one day and he saw an Egyptian being rough on one of the Hebrew boys and infuriated Moses. There was something within him. His mom had whispered in his ear his whole life, you're not an Egyptian, you're an Israelite. You, you, are, you are God's man. Moses had the idea that he was there for a reason, but he went down and he killed that Egyptian. The Bible says he buried him in the sand. The next day he saw two Hebrew boys and they were fighting. He goes down to the Hebrew boys. And he says, why are, you, why are you hitting each other? And they said, what are you going to do? Kill us like you did that Egyptian yesterday? He thought it was hidden. He realized it wasn't. People knew and Pharaoh knew. And he runs for his life and ends up in the backside of the desert. And there he marries his wife, Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro, and he tends sheep. Kicking dirt clods every day thinking I've blown it. There's no hope for me just watching sheep. And for 40 years, he watches, he watches sheep. And he looks over this day, and he sees a, a bush that's burning. It wasn't uncommon for a, a bush to burn out in the desert, but what was interesting was this bush didn't burn up. It captured his attention. So he's just going along, and it, it, the Bible says, you notice that he turned aside. And he started to look. And now why? You know, it's burning, but there's no ash. This thing's not burning up. It's not being consumed. And as he turned aside, then the voice of the Lord spoke to him. Now, here's, here, here's what I want you to know right off the bat early up here. Is God, this call of Moses, God appears in the ordinary. God appears in the ordinary. It was a bush. It was on fire, but others had been on fire. It was just an ordinary bush. It's been said, you know, any bush will do as long as God's in it. Sometimes, sometimes we overlook some of the simple things. I liked what Pastor Amanda said about and acts of kindness and just being aware of people around you. People hurt. We don't know what's going on in their lives. It's just being able to touch people, touch people's lives, ordinary, common, every day. We know in marriage, marriage, happiness in marriage is not about a destination. It's in the journey. It's in the common, everyday, ordinary, mowing the grass, Getting the oil changed, doing the dishes, cleaning the house. It's in those things when we're selfless and we serve one another. That's where the joy is. It's in the common, ordinary, everyday. Oh, I love it when, when the lightning and thunder happens, but it's in the everyday of life. Now, here's what's happening in that, in that everyday of life is, is this. God wants to get our attention. The whole reason that bush didn't burn up, God was just trying to get his attention. What has happened this week? What's happened in your life that maybe God was trying to get your attention, but you didn't pay any mind. You just kind of kept oblivious and kept going through life. 
You know, so, some of you here today, and you look good, and everything is fine and on the outside, but maybe you're in a crisis, lost a job, maybe you lost a loved one, death of a friend, marriage crisis. Something, something's going on, and, and, and it could be traumatic. Maybe God's wanting to get our attention in that. Maybe it was in this worship service, in the song we sing, and in one of the words of the song. Maybe God wanted to get somebody's attention, but did we sing or were we looking for the Lord? You know, we don't come to church to worship. You know that, don't you? We bring our worship to church. We bring it with us. That way we can receive, we can hear God. We want to touch God before we ever get through those doors. Then we get the icing on the cake when we get here. Is God trying to get your attention? Now, I know y'all wouldn't do this, but, but I tell my church, man, lay your clothes out. Get you, find your Bible, fill the car up with God. Do everything you can to be ready on Sunday morning. And don't come dragging in 10 minutes after worship started because God may want to get your attention. And we miss it. We're just always running, multitasking. Do whatever we, do whatever we can. He wants to get our attention now. Why does he want to get our attention? Because he wants us to experience his presence. He wants us to experience his presence. See, in his presence, that's where, that, that's where life is changed. What happens? Well, he wants us to experience his holiness. What did he tell Moses? He said, Moses, the ground is holy ground. When you, when you turn aside, God gets our attention and we turn aside. How come we don't turn aside? We are the busiest people in the world. I set mine over there, but that little thing you got in your hand this morning keeps us from turning aside. I love it, but man, it'll take up our time. He wants to get our, get our attention. He wants us to turn aside. That's why I think, I love, I thank God that my prayer closet can, can be anywhere and it can be driving down the road and I can have dashboard devotions. I love all those things. But I'm going to tell you, there's got to be a time in your life. There's got to be a place where it's undivided attention, where you turn aside and you're able to lock in. And then God reveals himself. And how does he reveal himself? He reveals himself, I believe, in two ways here. Number one is holiness. Without holiness, no man will see God. Holiness, I, I grew up somewhat legalistic. I think Pastor Mike and I grew up a lot the same in this. And it's a list of do's and don'ts. And I, I understand we need guidelines and we've got to give our kids guidelines. But holiness has never been about what I can do and what I can't do. Here's what holiness is. Holiness is when you come into the presence of God, you recognize he's holy and you're not. He's holy and I'm not. What did Isaiah say? When he saw the Lord high and lifted up and and his train, his glory filled the temple, he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. 
I need you, God. And God's holiness doesn't tell me you're no good. You're no good. You're no good. Baby, you're no good. God's holiness lifts me up and it makes me want to be more like him. Amen. So God wants us to experience his presence. You know, I think the holiness problem today, the holiness problem can be solved. It's the presence of God. If we turn, turn aside when you hunger and thirst, when you seek him with all your heart, there's something about being in his presence that raises me up. You know, if our, if our, if our life is still, pastor, can I do this and still be a Christian? That's a low, that's a low level of, of living. It's God. I want to be more like you. He, he does something that causes me to say, oh God. And then I believe there's something else that happens when we get in his presence. And it's this, we get his heart. We get, we get his holiness and we get his heart. I'm going to skip over point number two completely and jump to, to point number three, if you would. And here's, here's what it is. It, it's the commissioning of Moses. Now I'm going to refer to these scriptures as we walk through. If you've got your sermon notes there on your phone and, and so forth, you've got the whole passage of verses 10 through 16. But here's what happens as soon as God shifts and, 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 and the, the presence of God, first of all, the holiness of God. Now God begins to reveal his heart and his heart is for his people to be set free. His heart is for there to be deliverance. His heart is salvation. And what does Moses do? He begins to make excuses. And you read through, and really there's five excuses. I'll go through these pretty quick. You know, when he was a young man, he had all kinds of confidence, but now he doesn't have any confidence. In fact, it's been said that Moses spent the first 40 years thinking he was somebody, the second 40 years thinking he was nobody. And the last 40 years, he ended up knowing what God could do with a nobody. Moses is pretty beat up. And, 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 and he just starts making all kinds of excuses. I think it's fear-based. I think most of our excuses are out of fear. And sometimes our excuses are simply an excuse for what the real excuse is. Now, I'll explain that. But number one, Moses had a confidence problem. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? A confidence problem. Who am I? And so what did God give him? You need to jot this down. It's not on your notes there. What did God do? God gave him a promise. Verse number 12, he said, I will be with you and this will be a sign, the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. He gave him a promise. Moses had an excuse. God said, I got an answer for that. You got a confidence problem? I'm giving you a promise. 
I'm going to be with you. He had a second excuse. He had a content problem. A content problem. Look at this in Exodus 3, verse 13. Then Moses said, well, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? What shall I say? What am I going to say? What did God do? God gave him a fourfold plan. He said, number one, tell them who I am. Tell them I am that I am has sent you. He goes on. Just jot this down. It says, reveal the faithfulness of God. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Reveal the faithfulness. God's been faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful again. He said, communicate to the leaders. Let all the leaders know. Here's what's going to happen. And then he said, watch God make up the difference. So I will stretch out my hands and strike Egypt, verse 20, with all the wonders I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. Got a content problem? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to give you a plan. And here's the plan. Then there's a third excuse. The third excuse is a credibility problem. Exodus 2, 4 through 8, the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? He said, a staff. He said, throw it down. He, his, his credibility problem was, what if they don't believe me? So he threw it down and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. Moses is a good man right there, isn't he? There's snake. There's snake going on. I throw something down, it becomes snake. I'm running. You wonder how swamp people, the serpent invasion, how all that's going on in Florida. Them swamp people, they grab it by the tail first. Where'd they get that? Moses. He said, uh, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to show. I'll show my power. Excuse number four. He said, I, I have a communication problem. I'm not a good communicator. And Moses said, I said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said, who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, seen or blind? It is not I, the Lord. There is it not I, the Lord. Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. He gave him, he gave him an answer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you what to speak. Now, here's the last excuse. And here's what I, I'm going to close with. And you know, closing doesn't mean much. <laughs> Here it is. Moses really had a commitment problem. Because you know what the problem was? I don't want to. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Send someone else. Now, watch this. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he goes on to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Aaron be your mouthpiece. I'll tell you what to say. You tell Aaron what to say. You know, God, God has an answer for all our excuses. But when we say, I'm not going to do it, I'm just not going to do it. 
The Bible says God's anger. I do not want God angry at me. You know, Moses ended up, Moses, greatest leader they ever had, meekest man to ever live. But Moses also lost the priesthood to Aaron. You know, Moses' grandson was the first high priest of, of, a, of a Baal type of God. There was, he suffered some consequences in his life because of his, I, I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. You see, he didn't understand this initially, but, but here it is. God wants to get our attention. He wants, he, wants, he wants us to be holy. We get in his presence to experience his holiness, and we get in his presence to experience his heart. Now, here's the big ideas. God never calls us to a task. He calls us to partnership first. See, God wasn't calling Moses simply to be the leader. He was, he was calling Moses to say, Moses, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm not going to, I will never, never lead you. I'm going to give you the words to say. He was calling him to partnership. See, that's missions. God's calling us to partner. How do you give three and a half million dollars? You partner, you partner together and you partner with God. He calls us into covenant, into covenant relationship. What is the heart of God? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be a witness He says, I want none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. God's calling us to partnership today. You see, we can do more together than we can by ourselves. Together, this church, we're able to do something and then we partner with God. But here's the other thing, other big idea. We've got to stop making excuses. We've got to stop making excuses. 